So if you have your outline, your message outline, take that out and turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to be there for a little bit. We have been in our series called The Commands of God, and we have been looking at the Ten Commandments that God gave to us to live in love and in freedom. And the one we're going to look at today is the Eighth Commandment, where it says, you shall not steal. So let me ask you a question. Are you a thief? Are you a thief? I mean, most of us, we look at that, and that question doesn't resonate with us because we don't think of ourselves as being a thief, right? And I, I read a study a while back. It's kind of an older study, so I know the figures are a lot higher now, especially since uh, COVID. But they said that annually $50 billion in the marketplace is, is taken every single year, either by embezzlement or by people taking little things like pens and paper and and paper clips and whatever they take and stuff like that. $50 billion. I know that number is really low now. But I was thinking about it, and this is one of those commandments. If you ask someone if they're a thief, most of us would say, no, I'm not a thief. Right? Most of us hopefully would say that. No, I'm not a thief. But as we get into this eighth commandment, as with all the commandments, I think we're going to find out it's not what we think. We might even find out we might even be violating this commandment and we don't even know it. It's like all the other commandments. On the surface of the commandments, when we look at them, we can say, because I could, I can check that one off because I don't do that, I don't do that. But when we start getting deeper in the commandments, we find out, wow, I do that. I'm guilty of those things, right? We find out we violated many of these commandments. So if you could turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. Uh, you want to read it officially, this commandment from there. Four simple words that he's saying here, you shall not steal. And this commandment is really asking the question, what is that you're stealing and from whom? What is that you're stealing and from whom? And if we ask that question that way, that question becomes way more relevant in our lives and much more intrinsically deep within us than simply asking the question, are you a thief or not? Because that turns us all off, right? That turns us off when you think about that. The Heidelberg Catechism is an ancient old teaching mechanism where they would use words to provide answers to help people learn theology. So when this question is proposed, how do I live that obedient life and not violate this eighth commandment? This is the answer that they gave. Say, God forbids not, not only outright theft and robbery, punishable by the law, but in God's sight, theft also includes cheating and swindling our neighbor by schemes made to appear legitimate. In addition, he forbids all greed and pointless squandering of his gifts. So God said, I'm your God, you are my people, and we have this relationship. We have this relationship with God through Jesus, right? So he says, we have this relationship, and this is how I want you to live. You shall not steal, because you are my representatives here on this earth, right? That's what he's saying. You are my representative, this is how I want you to live. If you turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4 in the New Testament now, that's where we're going to be staying. Uh, this is written by the Apostle Paul, and he gives three commandments in this passage that I want to look at this morning. In Ephesians chapter 4, at the beginning of this, Paul teaches us this deep, God-centered theology and doctrine. And so you and I as believers can live in an upright manner. What he's saying is, says, I want you to grow in your sanctification. I want you to grow and become more like Jesus, right? And that's our goal for every one of us, to grow and become more like Jesus. And then he starts to tackle our hearts, gets right to the point, and how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to live this out as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 through 24, he models this obedience for us. He says this, To put off the old self, which is being corrupted by your evil desires. In other words, put off the old way of doing things in the flesh, 
put off the old way of doing things before you came to Christ. Don't do those any longer. And then he says, put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. In other words, God redeemed you to be conformed to the likeness of his son, Jesus. If you put that on, get rid of, the, get, get rid of doing the things the old way of life and be enrobed in Jesus and do everything to please God in your life. That's what he's asking. Do everything you have to do to please God in your life. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 through 27, Paul goes into these practical illustrations of what the old self looks like, of how to live out this obedience now in the new self. And he says in verse 25, put off falsehood. And, and we are then to speak truthfully. In other words, we're not to lie to each other, right? Because lying disrupts unity. By creating conflicts and destroying relationships and destroying trust, it tears down relationships is what he's saying. But truthfulness opens the door to understanding. It opens the door to relationships. Relationships are able to blossom when we're truthful to each other and honest with each other. That's the way the relationships are supposed to be, being truthful. But then verse 26, he says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry. The Bible doesn't say we shouldn't feel angry, but the Bible points out how important it is to handle our anger properly. It says do not sin in your anger. Don't do anything to dishonor God in your anger. If we get angry, it says to deal with it very quickly. Uh, don't let the sun go down in your anger. Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give the enemy a foothold. And what he's saying is when you're angry, we all get angry at times, he says, don't let it last long. Don't go to bed while you're angry because it's very quickly where bitterness, that anger will turn into bitterness and hatred. Don't let it happen. Don't give the enemy a foothold in your life where it cause division and disunity in your life with you and with others. Deal with your anger right away. Then he gets to the verse that we're looking at today, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, where the apostle Paul says this. He who has been stealing must steal no longer but must work, doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Three commands that I want to give you from this passage, three commands that the Apostle Paul gives. The first one, he says, repent of your theft. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Let's read the beginning of that again. He says, who has been stealing must steal no longer. And many of us look at that and says, but I'm not a thief. And so what happens sometimes when I'm sharing messages like this, the pastor's talking to thieves, so therefore I'm I'll tune out. It's not talking to me, right? Many times we don't think it. It's the first component not breaking a command or, 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 or moving away from breaking the command is understanding what the command is really talking about. That's what we need to understand. What is he really talking about? What Paul is doing in Ephesians chapter 4, in beginning of verse 17, he says this. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as, as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. He's saying, as you and I being Christ followers, as people who put their faith and trust in Jesus, our hearts and lives should look different, right? They should. Our hearts and lives should look different than the world, than someone who doesn't know Jesus. We need to have our minds renewed. And he's saying here, our patterns of our behaviors need to be changed, right? Is what he's saying. We need to be changed by what we're doing, not to be the same way. We need to put on Christ and be robed with Jesus. That's what a follower of Jesus Christ will look. Not the same way you looked before you came to Christ, not the, not the way that people look out in the world and you act and respond and live out, but you're to be different is what he's saying. In verse 28, he says, he who has been stealing must steal no longer. In other words, he said, repent of your stealing. And when we hear that, the difficulty is all of us, most of us, think we're, I'm not a thief. I'm not stealing. So why is the pastor saying this? Because I'm not that kind of person. But the Bible says, says something different. It says most of us, 
we are stealing in some way. We just don't understand it yet. We don't understand what the commandment really means. So I started writing down just a few, just give me a short list here, of what some of that may look like that we may not even be thinking about. And so let me give you, I think I have five. Five. We steal from God by robbing him of our devotion, worship, and bringing him his glory. So we're violating this command, and we're stealing from God. We steal from the government by, by lying on our tax returns or compromising our tax returns. Are we violating this command? We steal from our employers by wasting time, taking resources, being idle on the job and not giving a full day's work. Are we violating this command? We steal from the church, not as the plate passes by, but by withholding our gifts, our abilities, our skills, our time, our talents, and our resources, our finances, from making them a vital part of the church. So we're violating this command. We steal from our families by not being there for them, by not spending time with them. And so are we violating this command? And there's many other scenarios that we talk about, but what this does, this changes the whole dynamic when we look at this command and say, am I stealing from it, from him or from whom? What am I doing here is what he's asking. So what Paul is saying, if you're stealing, don't steal any longer, he's saying. Stop and repent and do something different. Honor, honor God with your life. Honor Jesus with your life. So Paul is saying, let me, let me expand this for us, because sometimes we think, well, this doesn't apply to me. Maybe you're still thinking that. If you're sinning in any area of your life, that's what this really applies to. Any area of your life, if you're sinning, stop what you're doing. Don't continue to do it. He says, repent of it and confess your sin and do something different that brings glory to God is what we're supposed to do. Don't keep doing what you're doing if you're sinning. Don't just stop. Do something different is what he's saying. Uh, uh, and this becomes really practical for all of us when we think about this. Where am I stealing from or who am I stealing from? I remember many years ago, I got an email from a person. This lady was in a church. She was now the secretary of the church that I used to be in, was a part of. And at that time, she was not. She emailed me and says, I was writing you to say that uh, you let me borrow a book many years ago, and I never returned it to you. And she says that I have it on the bookshelf in my home, and every time I walk past that bookshelf, I remember that you borrowed it to me and I never returned it. And I've been reading Ephesians chapter 4, and God has convicted me that me borrowing that book and never return it to you, that I am stealing. And I'm writing you to get your new address so I can send you this book so I can stop stealing from God. And we have to look at that. Sometimes we don't think that is stealing. We think, well, I borrowed it. They let me use it, but they, they give it to you. You didn't return it. That's stealing. That's stealing. So it doesn't have to be material things we're stealing. It's not, that's not only what it's talking about. It could be our time. It could be our attention. It could be our gifts and our talents and our abilities. It could be using our resources, our finances for God. And so is it in your marriage? Is it with your children? Is it with your family? Is it in your workplace? Is it in your church? Is it from God where we're stealing? And see, the question may not be, are you stealing or, 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 or not are you stealing, but where are you stealing from? How are you violating this command? And what the Apostle Paul is trying to get us to is ask the question, are you stealing? And for us to kind of look at it and, and to do something different if we are, not to continue doing it. But he says when you identify it, we have to respond to it. We have to do something about it now that God has convicted us of that, what it may be that we're stealing from. So you have to own it that I'm stealing. I have to own the sin. I have to confess the sin. I have to repent of it. Repent means that if I'm sinning, I turn from the sin 180 degrees, and I turn back to God. Because if I'm sinning, I'm not facing God as I'm sinning. 
anytime I sin, I turn away from God, and I sin. Now I have to repent of that, turn back to God, change my mind, turn back to God, and confess that sin. He said, I'm going to show you now, Paul says, I'm going to show you what to do, how to live and walk in this freedom that God has provided for us. So we don't violate this commandment anymore, violate the eighth command. And that's our second point. The second command from the passage, he says, work honestly for your livelihood. That we're to work honestly. It says in the second part of verse 28, but must work, do something useful with his own hands. Paul says the opposite of stealing is for you and I to work hard. Uh, doing something useful with your hands provides for your livelihood is what, he, what he's saying. The second component to living out this command is to have a new mindset to, and, and to change. How do we change? He says we have, to, we have to take the stealing and replace it with hard work. The word work means to exert oneself physically, mentally, and spiritually to the point of exhaustion. To work hard, to toil, to struggle. The alternative to stealing, what he's saying is working, doing something useful and good with your hands is what he's saying, if we're to do that. The active remedy to stealing is hard work. It always is. All through Scripture, we'll see that. The positive command here is that the Christian is to have a strong work ethic. Every Christian. And we see Jesus had an occupation. He took after his earthly father. And his earthly father, he was a carpenter. We know that from Mark chapter 6, verse 3. The apostle Paul was a tent maker. He went, and when the gospel had to preach, when he went on his missionary journeys, he went. But he provided for his livelihood through tent making. And now the apostle Paul is saying, each of us have a calling. We are to work. We are to have a livelihood. And, and don't misunderstand me. Some of you are trying to say, wait a minute, but I'm out of work or or I'm retired, what, what do I do? If you're retired, you work for a long time, right? And so now you're in the season of kind of resting and recouping, and you're doing that. But there's something you can do to have an impact for the kingdom of God if you're retired. We never retire from serving God, right? We may retire from our vocation that provided for our livelihood, but you and I are never, ever to retire from serving God. As long as we have breath in our lungs, we are to serve God in some form or some capacity in the church and outside the church we are called to serve him. From the moment we accepted Jesus Christ, we are to serve him until we pass from this life. But after we pass from this life, we are going to serve him for eternity. So our whole life, from the moment I accepted Christ, we are serving God for eternity. We never stop in doing that. Even when we get older, we are to serve him. We're to impact God's kingdom for his glory. We're, we're to be involved in serving. Serving here at the church should give us more time and be serving in different capacity. Maybe not like we did when we were younger, but we can still serve in some capacity, be involved in some way, be an example to the next generation and to others for them to follow your example. You've got all this wisdom and, and, and experience. Now put it to good use and let people see you serving and seeing you being useful to God so they can follow your example. We're supposed to look up to people that are, can do that, right? That have that experience and all that wisdom and have known the Lord for a long, long time. Remember, it's not how long you've known the Lord, how deep you are, how your life's been changed as we talked about last week. Young moms or dads that are watching their children, you have a tremendous job mentoring the next generation. Uh, your livelihood and calling is having a huge impact uh, in your children's lives and for the kingdom of God. God always had it in mind to reach the next generation and the way he always had in mind to do that in the Old Testament was the parents, through the parents. The dad was supposed to be the priest of the family. And his job and mom's job was to reach the children for God. And today, mom and dad, your job is to reach your children for Jesus Christ. That they might not only come to know Christ, but they learn how to walk with him. 
they learn how to walk with him. And how they're going to learn how to walk with him? By your example, by you modeling it for them, them seeing it in your life, that you're living the life for Jesus. They see you going to church, and you're bringing them to church with you. They're in church with you, and they see you growing, see you worshiping, see you growing in your sanctification, growing to become more like Jesus, and they're watching mom and dad, and as they watch mom and dad serving, they start to serve. And so when they get older and leave your home and they go into church, they're serving the church because they've been watching the model, they've been doing it, they've been in church, and then when they have children, their children will follow their example, which will be your grandchildren. And that's what we're supposed to do as parents, hand it down generation to generation, not leave it to someone else, but leave it to you. Mom and dad, that's your, that's your responsibility. And when we drop it, it can be dropped in one generation. If we don't do it, don't think, well, hopefully they'll start going to church or they'll start doing this when they get older. They probably won't. It's rare if they do. Children usually don't rise. The next generation, the second, third, and fourth generation usually doesn't rise higher than where their parents are. So just remember that. They're going to do what you do. And if you're not sold out for Christ, they probably won't be either. So model it, moms and dads. You have a tremendous responsibility in grandpas and grandmas and, and great-grandmas and grandmas. You have a tremendous responsibility. And many of you are in the workplace, and you're working and, and having a great impact, be an example for Jesus Christ, and praise God that you, that you are. But beyond that, the hard work is now multiplied. Now you've become masters of your careers, and I have a kind of a list here. I'm just going to kind of read it. Of nurses and teachers and plumbers and electricians and carpenters and accountants and office workers and factory workers and truck drivers and so forth and so on, or whatever you do. The question isn't about your, to- about your profession. It's about your toil and your labor that you do. You're working to your full potential for the glory of God. That you're giving a full day's work. That you're not taking breaks when you're not supposed to. That you're not taking and stealing from the company. Just little pens and paper that you should not be doing. But you're giving your full potential, and you're not violating this eighth commandment, but you're honoring God with everything in your life. That I owe this. I have this job. I'm not to rob. I'm not to violate. Not to be idle in my work. I'm to give them a full day's work is what required. They shouldn't have to stand over you and tell you to do that. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I do it for the glory of God. That's what we're supposed to do. And maybe you're between jobs right now, and God has blessed you with your mind that you can use and be a blessing to other people. Do it. Do it. We should all be doing something is what I'm trying to get across. No one should be saying, well, I can't. Um, none of us should have an excuse. We should all be doing something. Talk Paul talks about being idle in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. He says this, and, when we, and we warn you, brothers, warn those who are idle. We're not to look at people who don't work with their hands and say, good job. We're to look at them and say, you need to be doing something. You need to be doing something for the Lord. We all need to be serving, guys. And I'm just telling you the truth. For me to tell you, oh, it's okay, it's not. That's not found in Scripture. We're not to be idle. None of us is to be idle. We're to serve God with all our hearts. That's our main objective is serving him in the church and outside the church too. Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 7 through 12, he says, For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves the model for you to follow. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle. They are not busy, but they are busybodies. 
Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. The seriousness of idleness that the Apostle Paul is talking about, the Eighth Commandment is talking about, it's an indirect correlation of stealing when we're idle. We're not using our minds, our gifts, and our talents, and our hands for Jesus. That idleness is an indirect correlation with stealing. We're stealing in some way from God. We're stealing what God has given us. And when we're stealing, when we see stealing as a sin, we overcome that by hard work, toil, and labor is what the Bible is saying. And we live without breaking the Eighth Commandment of stealing, is what he calls us. So Paul shares with us then this much greater purpose that we all should have in our lives. He says the purpose is just not to sit back and not be idle, but the reason to work hard, and that's the third command from this passage that he gives us. He says, see your income as an opportunity to help others, to help others. We see that the wages you earn, that that hard work that you do, you say, boy, I work so hard for what I have, it's mine. And God says, no, it's not yours. It's a means to do something else. Rather than acquiring and, and getting more, he says in verse 28, he describes at the end of verse 28, that he may have something to share with those in need. There's a purpose behind what the Apostle Paul was doing. He starts at the absolute lowest of stealing, of being a theft is what he's doing, and being a thief, rather, and he builds on that further, and he goes even further to the noblest of causes, and he says, in order to be a blessing to someone else. God has given you an order that you might bless others, that you might help others in need, that you might help the church. I have given you things to do that. So when I ask you this morning, are you a thief? And you would be like me. No, no, I'm not a thief. And I hope you've concluded by now in rethinking that, because most of us, when we think a thief, we think, well, you know, I'm not going in stores, and I'm stealing. I'm not breaking in my neighbor's home, and I'm stealing. Hopefully none of you are doing that, that you're not doing that. But this commandment is just not about stealing that way. It's also about stewardship as well, is what he's talking about here. Stewardship. What God has given us. It's about using what God has given us and being a conduit of God's grace to others and to the church is what he's talking about. When we talk about the Eighth Commandment, so what was God has given you, what are you doing with it? What God has blessed you with? If he's given you a skill, given you ability, given you a talent, given you a gift, if he's given you wealth, finances, and any kind of ability, what are you doing with it for God's glory? What are you, how are you using it? As Paul emphasizes this, he says the Christian motive is to earn with our hands, to earn. That's what God has given us, the ability to do that. But through the earning, in order to give, not just of money, but of yourself, not just for your livelihood, but for the benefit of others, benefit of the church, and God has given that to you. Not just so you can say, boy, I look what I've got, but it's for others. God has blessed us to do that. So let me ask you a question. How are you doing that in your life? How are you living that out in your own life as we think about this? Jesus shared a parable about a man who, was, who gained a lot of wealth, and he, he was storing up a lot of his wealth. He was storing up the grain and storing up his wealth. Don't get me wrong. God wants us to save. He wants us to have savings accounts. But many times the reason God blesses us so you and I can be a blessing to the church and to others so we can give and help those that are in need. So let me ask you, are you in this moment withholding from God and violating this commandment, and you're not giving generously with what God has given to you. That's stealing, guys. That's what the commandment's talking about. That's what he's talking about. 
Do you have a gift or ability within our church that can really help and bless and bless and bless people that God could use? Paul is saying we are to work work to provide for ourselves, work to provide for our livelihood, but also to work and have opportunity to help others and to be generous. Not in one of the areas that God has blessed us with, but in all the areas. So many times we think, well, I serve so I don't have to give. I don't have to do that, or I give, so I don't have to. No, no, no. You're to give in all the areas, not one over the other. They're all equal. You're to give in every area. If you don't give in one, you're broken at all. We have to give in all areas what he wants, that we give in all areas. If you have a job which has an income, or you have income coming in from somewhere, we all have income coming in, provide for where we leave. We should make every effort, the Bible says, to help those in need. We're all called to give our tithe to the church. That's not an option. We're to give our tithe. Giving to others in need and giving more to the church is generosity. Giving your tithe to church is not generous. We're all told to do that. That's commanded in the, in the Bible. That's what we have to do. But to give above and beyond that, that's when we're generous, we to give that. And so whether that be true physically or spiritually, not one or the other, we're to do both. We're to help in all areas. So Paul is saying to be generous to us, and he doesn't put conditions around us. So many times we want to put conditions when we're going to give to someone. He doesn't say, you're to give somebody a need as long as they have a job lined up. He doesn't say that. Or right around Christmas now, you're to give someone as long as they don't have more than two presents underneath the tree, right? We like to put conditions on it. I'll give to them, but if I see more than two presents, they got all they need. Or I, I'm not going to serve in the children's ministry because I look, they have all the people they need. They got a lot of people in there. Let me just say, the children's ministry needs your help. I know the K through 5th has got a few extra people that went in there. They could use your help. But definitely, nursery through preschool could use your help to serve there once a month because some of the people that are up here used to serve in there, and now they can't be in there, so they're short. So if you can serve in the nursery through preschool, one hour, just one of the services out of the month, we'd greatly appreciate that. If you can do that, please contact me. Or you look at the worship team and say, boy, look at all the people they have up here in this worship team. They don't need any help. Maybe you don't know it. I know this is a new worship team that we have up here. We'd like to have a second worship team. So we could use people on the keyboard and playing bass and playing the guitar and singers and drummers. We can use all that because we like to have two teams. So it wouldn't be such a burden on these. So if you can sing or any of that or you have any music talent whatsoever, come forth and let God use those skills and those talents for his glory. That's what he's saying. Are you using them for his glory? So whatever it is, he says, it doesn't, it doesn't have to have a qualification to say, well, I can't do this because of, and give a reason. No, if I have those gifts, I'm going to use them. I'm getting involved and be a part of it, right? He says, just be generous. Using your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your skills, your resources, your finances, your time, and helping the church and helping others is what we're supposed to do. All asked to do that. That's one of our values here at the church is to be generous. Not just so we can fill these seats. We could build the kingdom of God further and further so we can reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ so more people can come to know Jesus. So the question is, an area in your life where you're violating this eighth commandment, where that you're not giving, listen to this, where you're not giving what you should be giving. You may be giving, but you're not giving what you should be giving, again, with your time, with your talents, your gifts, your abilities, your skills, your resources, your finances. You may be giving in those areas, but not what your full potential, what God said, but you could be doing this, what you're not. You're violating this eighth commandment. Because the thought of being generous is where to take the resources that God has given us, and we live in America. We've all been blessed. Some more than others, I, I know that. So some who's been blessed more can give a lot more, and some who have been blessed less can, can give, but we've all been blessed. 
We've all been blessed of what we have. And when we look at blessing, God has blessed us completely spiritually, but in monetary, sometimes we look at it, some have this and some have that, but we can all be used for the glory of God. And some have gifts of this type and that type. We'll all be using for the glory of God. Are we actively using our gifts so we're not violating this eighth command? Because that's what he's talking about. Just not stealing property, but stealing. We're to give abundantly, give abundantly, above and beyond, to be to the benefit, not of our own self, but to others, to the homeless, to the church, we're to give. And as I say, we don't take from the tithe and say, well, I'll give over here. No, we give our tithe and we give above and beyond that. That's generosity. You say I'm a generous person? Giving your tithe is not being generous. That's what you're required to do. I don't know if you know that as a Christian. But we're to give above and beyond that. So Jesus is saying through the word of God, he says, this is what you're to do. And I think about the cross. I think in Luke chapter 23, where Jesus is hanging on the cross. And who's he hanging on the cross between who? Two thieves, two thieves. Talks about, it's about this passage, really? No, but it is. Two, between two thieves. And one of the thieves looks at Jesus and says, uh, remember me when you get to your kingdom. In other words, Lord, please forgive me of my sin, being a thief. And Jesus says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. And if we are stealing or violating this commandment, this eighth command in any way, the very same words from Jesus ring true for you and I where Jesus says that we were spiritually poor and Jesus was generous with his own life. That he shed his blood on the cross for you and me so we might have forgiveness of sin. And that's how Jesus was. He was generous. He's our model. He's our example. And that's how we can live out our life in the church and live our life out there in the world in which we, are, we, we live in. We can live that way. As sinners, Jesus calls us to repent of violating this eighth commandment, to work hard and to toil and be an abundant blessing be an abundant blessing in the church and to be an abundant blessing in the world and to help others with all of our resources that we have. Not just finance, I'm talking about, about your gifts, your talents, your skills that you have, that God gave you those to provide for your livelihood, yes, but also be an abundance in the church in which you go to and into the out there in the world to help others who need your help. So let's live out this commandment to love those around us and be generous. Not be taken from others, but be generous with our time, our talent, our gifts, our abilities, our skills, our resources, our finances. Let's bless the church and bless others. That's what they're talking about here. That's what they're talking about. So let's be a blessing. But it all starts with a relationship. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior yet, you have a God who loves you, who sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. So you can have a relationship with him, not only in this life, but for eternity, for the life to come, so you can be with him forever and ever. And, and he, that Jesus came, and he died on the cross for your sins, and now you have to respond by faith. Put your faith and trust what Jesus did. So you have to come to the moment, if you've never done this, to come and say that you're a sinner. We're all sinners. Everyone in this room is a sinner, including myself. And because we sin, we're separated from God, because God is perfect, holy, and just, and he's never sinned. And I'm a sinner, so we're separated from him. And there's nothing we can do to build that relationship. So God sent his son from heaven, Jesus, who's the son of God, who's God, who came down. And he went to the cross, and God placed all your sins upon Jesus. Jesus paid for your sins. He paid for mine, but he paid for yours. He was your substitute. He took your place. He paid for your sins so you might have a relationship with God. That's God's grace. But now you and I have to respond to God's grace, and we do that by 
faith by simply saying, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And today, I accept what Jesus did for me up on the cross. I trust him as my Savior. I accept him by faith. If you've never done that, please do that today. If you have questions about that, please see me after the service. That's the most important thing you can do is put your faith and trust in Jesus. For all of us who know Christ as our Savior, amen, all of us who know him, we praise God that we know him. But let's choose not to steal. Let's choose not to violate this eighth command. Let's work hard serving Jesus in every area of our life. Let's be generous again with our time, our talents, our gifts, our abilities, our skills, our resources, our finances. Let's be generous. As God said to us, he says, I'm your God and you're my people. You're my chosen people. And we have this relationship, this relationship. And this is how I want you to live. Do not steal. You are not to steal. You shall not steal. You cannot rob me of anything. Just be generous because you are my representative. And when people see you, they should see God. This is how God would act. This is how he would be. And Jesus was generous in all areas, as you know, if you read the Bible. And he says, we're supposed to be like Jesus. When we're in the world, we represent God, not ourselves. I'm his representative. So I'm to act as Jesus did and be generous and to help and to bless others with my life wherever I go. This is what he's saying. And if you're going to represent me, this is how I want you to represent me. And he gives us this how we to represent him. You shall not steal. Let's pray. Lord, you come. We praise you. And we thank you. You're a gracious God. Dear Lord, I pray that uh, for all of us in this room, Lord, when we examine our lives, all of us have fallen. In this eighth commandment, we've all violated in some way in our hearts and minds. And Lord, not that if we have, we all of us have. But Lord, just convict us in the way we've done that. But Lord, let not the enemy kind of use this to cause a division between us and you. Or let not even own heart. But let us just realize it and just confess it right now. God, I've been violating this eighth commandment. I've been stealing from you because I haven't used my abilities and gifts and my time and my resources for you. And just confess it. The same God who gave us this commandment, the same God who offers us forgiveness, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Same God. He loves us. And he's for us and he wants to help us. Lord, but Lord, I pray that we'd all examine our own hearts. If we don't know Jesus Christ as our Savior, God, I pray for the salvation. I pray they're a sinner in need of a Savior. And the only Savior that you have provided, there's only one, it is Jesus. And they come and put their faith and trust in him. I pray for all of us who know you, that we would not be the type that, uh, this doesn't include me, it yet does. We have violated the command, if we have in some area. Reveal it to us. Let us stop doing it. Let us repent of it. Let us confess the sin, and let's continue to do something else that would bring you glory. I pray that for each one of us, that as we go through these commandments, Lord, we'd, we'd really allow the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts and minds truthfully. And Lord, we wouldn't continue to do what we're doing, but Lord, we respond in a way that honors you and glorifies you. Help us, Lord, to be the people you called us to be, because you are so faithful and loyal and so loving, filled with grace and mercy and forgiveness to us. Help us to be that to you. Help us to live our lives in a way that honors you in all areas. Help us, Lord. We can't do it on our own. 
We ask by the power of the Holy Spirit, you'd help us to live the life that you've called us to, Lord. Lord, as you come here now, that you might convict us of any sin, as we sing this next song, reminder, Lord, that the job that you've called us is bigger than ourselves. It's not about us or what we acquire, the things that we have, the, t- the titles that we have on our jobs, or, or whatever it is. But it's about you and your kingdom. That we've called us to do something bigger. And it's building your kingdom. To be a part of your kingdom. And your plan. For your glory. So that plan is not temporary like the things we're building on here with our homes and everything and our jobs. But it's for eternity. Your, your plan is for eternity. Help us be a part of that plan. So Lord, as we sing this next song, just open our our hearts and minds and ears as we sing this song that we say yes I want to be a part of that plan for the King of Kings for the Lord of Lords and Maker of your God help us the Lord to be the people you called us to be because we are your representatives we don't go out and represent ourselves we are representing you help us to live that way Lord we ask these things in that most precious name in the name of Jesus amen